It's time to think bigger. Elias Pedersen scores! And think bolder. Matthew Kachuk, what a goal! This is Rintoul and Sermon. Another chance, great save by Markstrom. There is shot, be bad, great save by Timko. On the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome to signing season and to Rintoul and Sermon. Bick Nazar, Jamie Dodd filling in this week. Welcome to the start of free agency. I, I, I feel like this is, uh, like, whose line is it anyways, Jamie? You know, when he says, uh, welcome to whose line is it anyways, where the points don't matter? Welcome to the start yeah. of free agency, where the contracts are already signed and the opening bell is just made up. <laughs> yeah, the start of free agency is one way to put it. The It almost feels like the closing stages of free agency, the way <laughs> these teams and players have got after it here. Like, we're already picking through the aftermath. Almost as we have literally just opened officially the free agency period. So just as a reminder to everyone, it's only been for the last three minutes that teams and players have been allowed to talk to each other technically. Yeah. So uh, they're now, you know, good for all the guys that are, uh, you know, quick on their phones and quick with the autographs or the uh, signatures to, to get these things done. So I suppose that's great. Uh, but a lot has already happened. Uh We'll try to catch you up if you haven't already followed along. Uh, so, so far for your Vancouver Canucks, they signed Yaroslav Halak, a one-year deal worth $1.5 million uh, AAV, and that's with a half of it is signing bonus, half of it is salary. And then there's also another $1.5 million uh, performance bonus as well in there, uh, reported to be linked to games played. Uh, and so achievable bonuses. So that's something that, you know, could get charged to next year as well. And, and for me, we, we've got the, we've got the official incentives from Renault Lavoie coming in here. So it's a 1.25 million incentive for games played at 10 games. So extremely, extremely achievable. And then the remainder of the incentive is a $250,000 performance incentive for having a 9.05 save percentage. So certainly you hope achievable for Yaroslav Halak on both counts. Yeah, both are very, very doable. So it's essentially yeah. a a one-year deal uh, or a two-year deal at 1.5 AAV. Yeah. Because if they max out on the cap this year, that 1.5 gets charged in next year. So that's essentially what it kind of looks like. A uh, big one just right now, Frank Saravelli reporting, uh, which you can watch him as well, on uh, the signing season panel with Elliot Friedman, Chris Johnson, our insiders on Sportsnet today. Uh, Tucker Pullman has signed a contract with Vancouver. And I remember Tucker Pullman obviously playing in Winnipeg. Uh, it's a big contract, though. It is a four-year, $10 million deal, which is 2.5 AAV. Uh, whenever that is, uh, as he says, pen is put to paper. So if you're looking for that right-sided D-man, to play a role, there is your guy, four-year deal uh, worth $10 million for Tucker Pullman. That's a lot of term and a lot of money for Tucker Pullman. I mean, when I first saw, you know, oh, Tucker Pullman into the Canucks, I was definitely not thinking in the four-year range. I was thinking one, two-year, something like that. Four years? That's, uh, that, that's a lot of commitment for Tucker Pullman. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that one. That's a bet. It's another bet, and look, you expected players in that price range, right? Because we've kind of the refilling that Hamannick spot all over again, right? That price range, I can understand going for it. That term is where I'm a yeah. bit more skeptical, 
Two years? Two years at 2.5? Okay, sure. Four years is, that's a long, long deal to give Tucker Woolman. It's, uh, you know, for a guy who's played, I want to say somewhere in the range of uh, 140 games, somewhere around there, 120 yep. games so far. So, so yeah, again, I, I'm a bit skeptical on uh, his ability over the course of four years, but it, it's it's an age range that they wanted. It's a body type that they wanted. He's a bit bigger, obviously. They wanted to get, you know, Jim Benning said on these airwaves a while ago that they wanted a certain physical profile. Uh, you know, they bring in Ekman Larson. To me, bigger body, obviously. I thought there was going to be more, obviously, that needed to happen. Then you move Nate Schmidt out yesterday. You bring in a Tucker Pullman. We we know about Lucian also uh, supposedly coming into Vancouver as well. They're bringing in those bodies that they feel are necessary to, uh, to to fit a certain physical profile. Yeah, that that's been the talk. And I mean, I know. Look, we know they were. We knew they were going to be focused on the right side of defense going into free agency today. We've heard that they've still been talking to Travis Hamonic. You know, I think a lot of people in Just the market were. Hang on. Just reporting now, Travis Hamannick re-signing in Vancouver, two years at $3 million. So if you wanted your right side defense, that's kind of what it's looking right now with Pullman, Myers, and Hamannick. So there you go. So they've, they they take care of their ob- most obvious pressing needs very, very quickly, very early in the day. We expected them to go out and sign a couple of right shot defensemen. I, I expected one of them to be Travis Hamannick, and now he's back in the fold. Did not expect... Tucker Pullman to be the other guy, certainly not on a four-year deal. To be deal. fair, and, yeah. I mean, Tucker Pullman was, was an option. It, it's sure, the term sure. that we're talking about here. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, two years at $3 million for Hamannick. Again, look, would you love the AAV there to be slightly lower? But a two-year deal, that's pretty solid. That term is extremely manageable. And, Vic, you know, it's so often the term that ends up com- coming back and biting you, right? It's rarely the AAV. It is usually the term, and that's what makes that Tucker Pullman deal a little nervous for me. We're trying to catch you up on all the news. I see some people texting in. Hey, Klimovich signed his ELC. Yes, there's a lot going on all at once here. We can't say all the words at the same time. Uh, Danila Klimovich also signed his uh, ELC, according to his agency as well. So there's another signing that's happened for the Vancouver Canucks. If you want to react, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, We'll also give you your chance to say what you want, 604-280-0650, if you want to give us a ring. Uh, and you can uh, speak to us and speak to the airwaves. Uh, if, if we're talking and there's no interview, we're going to do open boards for the show. We expect to hear yep. some from some members of the Canucks as well at some point. But uh, we got Gorge Selleck coming up. We'll have Yannick Hansen at 11 o'clock. Nick Costanica will join us as well from NHL.com in about uh, 25 minutes. So it's a busy show, but you'll have your chance to have a say. 604-280-0650 and 650-650 into the text message inbox. So, yeah, you know, what What this screams to me, uh, Jamie, is, okay, so you get Hamannick on a value contract, $3 million. You get Poolman, you know, $2.5 million AAV. We're expecting Luke Shan to be brought in this at some point. A, and Brad Hunt's uh, name was mentioned uh, the past yep. couple of days. So a couple of things are at play here. One, competition is kind of a theme of these spots are up for grabs. So if I'm Olivia Levy, I'm a bit nervous. All right? If I'm Jack Rathbone, I'm going to have to earn my way into the NHL. Right? Because a bunch of these guys have NHL experience. While we might all just say, hey, Jack Rathbone's better, and I agree, but the amount of bodies that are coming in are, A, to populate the Abbotsford team, 
which was going to be necessary. They've talked about rebuilding uh, that whole AHL structure. And also the other thing is because these contracts uh, are not, you know, headline free agents, they're important signings, but they're not, you know, top of the market guys. The money that is being saved, I'm curious if this opens up the possibility, and we've talked this a, 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 about this a bit, if this opens up the possibility of long-term contracts with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. It, it could, and that's the interesting thing about this is they're getting the rest of their business done really quickly, right? Because they've got the backup goalie done in Yaroslav Halak. They've got fourth line center done with Brandon Sutter. They've made a ton of signings on defense, right? With Poolman, Hamannick coming back, Brad Hunt. There's talk that they're going to sign Kyle Burrows, which would be an AHL depth-style defenseman, but somebody who could see time in the NHL on a call-up basis. So they've made a lot of signings elsewhere on the roster, and you do have to wonder, you know, is is that – have they saved enough money through all of these various moves? And even something like structuring the Halak deal – where you know you're going to roll some of that cap over to next year, right? But you get them at a much cheaper deal this year. Have they saved enough money in all of these moves to open up the space for long-term deals for Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes? I mean, that's certainly the hope. That would be ideal. We'll have to, we'll have to crunch the numbers here as soon as we can and see what we think, what that would look like. But they've at least put themselves in the realm of possibility there. Uh, a couple of other signings that are just trickling in right now. Michael Granlin is staying back in... Uh, Nashville, uh, North Vancouver's Martin Jones has signed in Philadelphia. And uh, so the Grandland contract is four years at $5 million per. So he gets a uh, $20 million there to stay in Nashville. Kind of an interesting contract there. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting one. A little surprised that he ends up staying in Nashville, given the, the direction that team has been. And, you know, we've heard a lot of people have been interested uh, in the player, but there you go. The Predators uh, get them locked up. Uh, and also, Zach Parise heading back to New Jersey is also another one that's just uh, happening right now. As we react to all these live, uh, Bick Nazar and Jamie Dodd here on signing season, uh, the start of NHL free agency. Back to uh, some of the Canucks reaction into uh, 650 uh, This one is uh, probably had to overcommit to Pullman uh, regarding the market. Uh, hey, the team is in a afraid of buyouts. Good to take care of business early. I'm curious about that because we, you know, we heard about hey, bargain contracts and being smart with it. Uh, did they feel a necessity to jump into the the Pullman uh, sweepstakes? I guess immediately. See, to me, Pullman seems like the kind of guy that you don't sign on day one, right? Wait, wait, and see how the market develops because there are other players out there like Tucker Pullman, and maybe tomorrow. Or the next day, the price on those guys comes down significantly from the price you had to pay today. Yeah, 100%. Uh, look, Tucker Pullman, I'm prepared to be uh, wrong about it. I, I think he's a you know fine depth type style player. I, I think it does matter where he's playing in your life now here. If he's going to be playing with Quinn Hughes, I'm a little concerned. If he's playing with Jack Rathbone, all right, I, I'm open to, to see what happens. Because $2.5 million, uh, you know... It's more so the term than it is the AAV is is my concern. Oh, it's absolutely the term. Four years. I mean, this guy, you know, you said he only has about 120 games in the NHL. He's also 28 already, mm -hmm. right? So this well, is he, a guy. Like, like he did the full experience uh, 
through the NCAA, right? So he, he yep. joined the league kind of late, too. Yeah, he did. But still, I mean, you, this is a guy who, one, is not particularly proven at the NHL level, but is also already 28, you know, in possibly even exiting his prime, and you're committing four years to him. It's just, this is the classic kind of day one of free agency deal where you feel that pressure to get something done, and you end up going too big and making a mistake that's going to come back to haunt you. What's uh, what's weird now is, okay, the, the question becomes, is the Canucks defense better than it was last year? Now, it's not a high part across, obviously, but like I am looking at this, and it's, okay, Hughes, Ekman, Larson, you know, Rathbone, you would hope, on the left side, and then it's Hamannick, Myers, Poolman, Shen on the right side. I'm not convinced that looks a lot better. Now, the fits might are, are probably better and that's why i have a little bit of hope to say okay they're a bit more defensive minded now the pairings seem to make a lot of sense even though they're they are interchangeable to somewhat but they do make some sense overall is this a successful level defense and i have my reservations there's a lot of downside there's a lot of downside on that defense, right? And there's upside, too, with Quinn Hughes. I expect Quinn Hughes to be better. Jack Rathbone had a really exciting debut in the NHL. I think he could be an important contributor. But if you're just kind of weighing the probabilities on either side, you can make a lot of arguments for how things can go pear-shaped with that defense. And, you know, to your question of is it better, it's really going to come down to Oliver ekman Larson, right? And how much of a bounce back, if any, he gets next season. If he does have a strong bounce back year, then yeah, the defense probably is going to be slightly better, which let's let's remember, that's not saying all that much. The defense was not, not good last year, right? So even just clearing that bar is not all that impressive. But I mean, if Oliver ekman Larson continues to struggle, there's, as I said, there's a lot of ways that could go sour in a hurry for the Canucks, that def- defense core. All right, so this one's interesting. Uh, the the free agent market and the trade market always uh, confounds me. David Savard has signed a contract in Montreal, which was kind of expected. He was one of the headliners, Jamie, and he assigned for four years, 3.5 AAV. That, you know, we talked yesterday about value or you know, contracts that might be overspent and maybe they don't live up to value. That is a value contract for David Savard. It's a value contract for David Savard. And I mean, would you rather not? And, and look, free agency doesn't work this way, right? The other yeah. teams are competing. David Savard clearly to, wanted to go to Montreal. Sure. The player has to want to come to you. But just looking at, you know, that deal versus the Pullman deal, man, the value is a lot higher on Savard than I think the Canucks got for Pullman. Yeah. And the likelihood of success. Also, uh, Brayden Holpe has moved on. He's signing in Dallas. Uh, so he. Uh, He's going to Texas after getting bought out yesterday. Which there is, you uh, go. The, the, the goalie carousel. We, you know, we kind of talked about this. We heard about this throughout the week, right? The pressure that some goalies would feel to just take the deal that was there for them right away because there's only so many jobs and there's a lot of goalies on the market. And we've seen guys in tough circumstances. Martin Jones get a job, right? We've seen Braden Holtby now get a job. I think probably in both of those circumstances, feeling a little bit of pressure to just Hey, someone's willing to offer me a contract. I'm going to take it. Uh, some people are texting in. Uh, are any of these cheap D-men? And by the way, just to get you up, Travis Hamannick is a two-year deal for $3 million per year. Uh, Tucker Pullman's is a four-year deal for $2.5 million a year. Uh, still waiting for the figures on uh, Shen. 
And uh, but uh, on that defense, we're getting a bunch of these texts. Uh, are any of these D-men better than Schmidt? Now, again, this is a, a this isn't a question of talent, right? Because Nate Schmidt's talent dictates that hey, five point nine million dollar uh, defenseman, certainly very skilled and and can can log minutes. What this is about is, does it fit better for the Vancouver Canucks? And there is that element that they fit better. You know, Poolman's a better fit. He is a defensive D-man. You know, you, you're not looking at Tucker Poolman to be like, hey, can I put you out on a, a power play when Quinn Hughes gets injured or something like that? It, this isn't that. He, he's not a guy that's going to put up points for you. He's meant to be a defensive D-man. So they needed those. Like, if you were crafting out the to-do list for the Vancouver Canucks today, it was they needed a top four D-men, they needed a backup goalie, they needed a fourth-line center, which, by the way, they re-signed Brandon Sutter at yep. $1.125 million on a one-year deal. They needed some depth D-men and needed some depth forwards. That was the to-do list heading into today. So they re-signed Travis Hamanick, they get Tucker Poolman. That's kind of your competing on the right side D-men. Yeah, added to Tyler Myers, obviously, who they already had in place. So, I mean, the plan right now is down the right side, and we'll see who ends up playing with who, but down the right side on opening night, it's going to be some combination of Hamannick, Tucker Pullman, and Tyler Myers for the Canucks. And, you know, to the Texter's question, are any of these guys better than Schmidt? No, they're not. However, you know, I guess the, the argument from the Canucks' perspective is they signed they got two guys for less than the price of one in Schmidt, right? Because Poolman and Hamannick together are going to make 5.5. Schmidt was at 5.9. They needed to add another defenseman, so they kind of had to move Schmidt in order to free up that space to get two guys in. 650, 650, keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, the whole station's a Debbie down about the Canucks, except for C-Mac. I'm sure glad we still have our first pick for next year. You guys make it seem like the Canucks are going to end up in 28th or 29th place. I already want to give up. I'm glad we have our first pick. Team is going to be crappy. You are right. Hold on. Hold on. We're talking about the term with Tucker Pullman. Four years is a bit of a risk. Now, I'm open to the concept of him fitting in well. We've, we've said that they needed defensive demon. Is the, the question is, is this going to be the, the type of players that make it work? And when you build out that right side, I think it's fair to wonder, is this an, an NHL, you know, contending caliber right side of the defense? And let's be clear, we're talking about the defense specifically right now. And, and these specific signings, Bick, the, the work at forward has largely already been done, right? By bringing in Connor Garland and Jason Dickinson. And I don't think you're going to find anyone here in Vancouver that says, oh, this forward group is worse than last year. It's clearly the forward group is significantly better significantly better, taking a major step forward, I think it's fair to say. So, plus you're bringing in Vasily Podkolzin. So if you're looking overall at the team, and depending what your thoughts are on Yaroslav Halak versus Brayden Holtby, I think that's going to be an upgrade uh, because Holtby was just not very good here in Vancouver. But if you look at the other spots on the team, yeah, the Canucks have upgraded. And I think overall, it's very fair to expect this team to be better than it was last year. But there's there's a dip, we're talking specifically about the defense and really, we're talking about the opportunity cost here as well, right? It's not just, is Tucker Pullman a good defenseman or is he not such a good defenseman? It's, were there other options out there that would have carried less risk and given you a similar return? And uh, Numbers on Twitter is tweeting us uh, right now. And, and I think you know, he, he's, he's making a different point, but he's saying Pullman is a pretty, pretty well a prototype partner for Hughes. 
when we're talking about defensive demon. Here's the thing when it comes to prototypes. And Jim Benning has bet on a lot of a, a lot of prototype players. But not many of them have even worked out. Like that's the thing. There is a lot of hey, let's just get prototype players because they've got the traits and the tools, but do they actually functionally perform on the ice? And Tucker Pullman's fine. It's just fine. It's we're talking about making market improvement to actually get into playoff series and have success. That's the question. Because this is about making the playoffs this year. Yeah, it is. And it's also about, okay, if you're getting fine, can you do it without assuming as much risk as you did with that with a four-year deal, right? That That's the big question for me. Can't You, you should be able to find that level of performance without exposing yourself to another contract that in a couple of years, you know, we could be talking about, do they have to attach an asset to get rid of it? Do they have to explore a bio? Like, that's the reality of that deal. It's not a guarantee that it's going to happen, but the chances that it does happen are too high for my liking. And we've got some people texting in, you know, a variety of this point from Brendan and Nanaimo. Didn't Pullman play big minutes for Winnipeg last year? Four years might be risky, but and 2. Winnipeg 5 struggled per. defensively. Well, that's the thing. Winnipeg's defense was really, really bad, and we've seen what they've done already this year. They've made it a priority to go out and completely overhaul their defense because it struggled last year. So playing big minutes for Winnipeg on the blue line last year is is not a great mark on your resume. That's like that's the issue. Uh, this one, I don't mind overpaying on term with Pullman, only two point five. So if it goes poorly, Canucks can still bury half the contract's cap it. See, that's not a good thing. You shouldn't be saying that on the first day. So that's the concern. And see, this reminds me of this reminds me of like, sorry, go back, go way back to uh, July first, twenty eighteen, right when they went out and they got they signed Jay Beagle and they signed Antoine Roussel. And there were people at the time saying, like, man, those contracts are not going to age well. And I think this is – I don't think this is in that realm as a, as a contract because he's a lot younger, right? But, you know, people were saying, look, those contracts are going to age well. And then on the other side, some people said, well, you know, if they're not doing well, you can always just buy them out in the last year. It's like, well, but no, you shouldn't be signing a deal with the contingency plan of, oh, we'll just bury cap- half the cap hit in the minors. Like, that shouldn't be entering into your thinking because that means you've signed a bad deal. Uh, role matters in this scenario, I would also say. So, again, I, I, Tucker Pullman, I would expect to be lower in the lineup. If he's playing next to Queen Hughes, uh, I'm a bit uh, concerned. I, I would expect like, Hamannick like and Hughes to line up. Regular minutes with Queen Hughes, I would be a bit concerned. Hamannick, although, you know, uh, Hamannick and Rathbone, is that uh, a steady hand for Jack Rathbone uh, heading into next year? We'll we'll. we'll Pitch a bunch of that stuff moving forward. Yeah. If you want to get involved, you can text in 650-650 as well. We're going to talk to Nick Kotsunika, uh coming up here in just a sec from NHL.com. It's uh, Beck Nazar, Jamie Dodd, filling in this week for Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. Welcome back to Rintoul and Sermon, taking a week off. Nick Nazar, Jamie Dodd here with you, filling in for the week. Uh, catching up on a couple of more contracts that have been signed for signing season. Uh, Laurent Bossois is signed in Vegas on a two-year deal uh, worth 2.35 per. Cedric Paquette in Montreal on a one-year deal for 950k. Uh, and Eric Robinson re-signs in uh, Columbus for two years at 1.6 million dollars. Uh, some other ones we've seen: Andre, oh sorry, Andrew Cogliano. 
uh, one year, one million dollars in San Jose. Uh, Zach Bogosian signed a three-year deal for 850k per. Wow. To stay in Tampa Bay. Look, that's that uh, culture setting that you want. Guys yeah. taking less to stay there. Well, and for a player like Bogosian, though, just the term and the certainty must be nice, right? Because so often players like that, you're one, you're year to year, right? So yeah, you're not getting a boatload relative to NHL salaries, but for three years to know you're locked in there, that must feel pretty nice. He probably wanted to get the hell out of Toronto as well. <laughs> yep. Have we have we done the Cody Cece one? Uh, well, that was before we even started, wasn't it? But but uh, details details. I'm seeing the details now. All right, go ahead. So CC to the Oilers as expected, four years, three point two five million per season. So I will say this: I'd rather have the Tucker Pullman deal. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, you know, for all the people talking about hey, uh, texting in, hey, if it's only two point five million dollars AAV on your third third pairing, that's not so bad. Okay, but you're not meant to give term to, f- to no. third pairing guys, especially third pairing guys that might be able to get leapfrogged. Like, what if Jet Wu's better in a year's time? Yeah, that's the thing that because this isn't this isn't an upside play, right? You're not expecting Tucker Pullman to develop into a top four defenseman for you. As said, he's already 28, right? Like this is going to be a finished product we expect from Tucker Pullman, exactly. So, I mean, we've already how many times have we seen it in this market? Giving term to bottom of the roster players almost always comes back to bite you. And again, it's nothing against Tucker Pullman. I think he can help the Canucks certainly next year, probably the year after that as well. It's just it's tough to see the front office in some ways repeating the same mistakes that have already caught up with them. Uh, Marcus and Gibsons wants to know uh, what type of foot speed does Poolman have? Can he keep up with Quinn? Uh, it is Marcus in Gibsons. I, I wouldn't call him a slow player. Like I, I would say on par or if not better than Travis Hamannick, if that's fair. Yeah, but he's not, he, I mean, he's a, you know, average NHL defenseman, slightly below average, right? In that respect, it's not it's not going to be ponderous out there, but he's not known for his speed. Uh, let's talk to Nick Katsunika now from NHL.com. Uh, Nick, uh, you know, it's it feels like you you don't want to be surprised every uh, opening of free agency with some contracts, and then uh, the the gates open up and the money starts flying, and it is a bit surprising. What's your initial impression of what we've seen so far? Well, I think we knew it was going to be a busy day. Uh, Just there are a lot of players out there, and uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, no matter the conditions, I think everybody tries to get a jump on each other and grab, you know, their share of the pie. I think this year, especially with the cap situation, I think players and agents are making sure that they they grab what they can, and, and teams also want to make sure they jockey, you know, early. So it's, it's a bit of a blur, and I really like to wait for the dust to settle before sort of, you know, forming any hard opinions, but that's my initial reaction. You know, just looking, I, I obviously we all have to let the dust settle a little bit, Nick, but I mean, the Canucks have been very, very busy, not just today, this morning with Sutter, Hamannick and uh, Tucker Pullman all added to the fold, but also going back over the weekend, right? Adding Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland, signing Connor Garland to the extension, just, again, at, at first blush, looking at all of it, what do you make of the Canucks offseason so far? Yeah, it's been busy. And, you know, again, this is one of those teams where there's so many moving parts. I kind of want to see where it all ends up. Like, when you when you start judging each individual 
move in a vacuum. Like, I think you missed the big picture, but clearly, you know, they're trying to improve OEL. You know, it's not been a good stretch for him in Arizona, but I think a lot of his talent, he's still 30 years old. Um, I would like to see him, you know, in a different situation and see whether he plays differently, right? Like, can you put him with some of those skilled players uh, that Vancouver has and maybe things go better, right? So I think that that's the bet there. Um, You know, but to me, you know, it's all about in Vancouver from afar, it's all about their core, right? Those core players, the skill that they have and how they surround them. Um, And that's really going to be the story with, with Vancouver. Uh, just some breaking news here, Nick, while we have you on the line. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff, according to Kevin Weeks, is re-signing in Anaheim on a one-year deal. Uh, did it always feel like he was going to end up in uh, back in Anaheim, or, or, or were you you know, open to the idea that maybe he ends up in a Vegas or a Calgary or an Edmonton? Uh, I kind of expected him to, to stay in Anaheim, and some of that is based on the trade deadline. I think there was a chance he could have gone to a contender uh, at the end of the you know, season and he didn't. And I think that was a signal to me that he's probably staying in Anaheim. I mean, he's been a duck forever. He's the captain. Uh, it ain't bad living in Southern California. So uh, I would think, you know, it's, there's no harm in looking around and making sure that there's no one out there blowing you away. Um, but, you know, I think he's pretty happy where he's at. You know, Nick, we so often talk about the deals that are signed on, you know, either July 1st or July 28th this year as, you know, ones that often don't age well, but looking around at the deals that have already been done, is there one that really jumps out to you where you look at and say, wow, the team got a really good value deal on that player? Um, early on, um, not yet. Uh, again, like I know this doesn't make for good radio, but like I want to see um, how it all you know pans out. I mean, some of the bigger things, I mean, the flurry thing fascinates me, um, you know, and, you know, from a Vegas perspective, um, you know, that this is the, an example of the cap, right? Like, you all have, have to judge everything in that. So you're trading the reigning Vesna Trophy winner. And on the surface, that seems to make no sense. But you've got a surplus, especially when the return is nothing. Um, but you have a surplus in goal, right? You have a, a goalie in Robin Leonard, who was a Vesna finalist not long ago. He's seven years younger. He's cheaper. You clear out Flurry in that cap space, and you'll go get a Dadanoff in a trade, right? This is a guy who's averaged 25 to 28 goals over, over the last three, four seasons. You know, that's what they need. They need offense. So you're trading, you know, you're, you're using your surplus to get offense. So in, on that, in that sense, I like that move by Vegas. You know, the other thing I really like was what, you know, Tampa Bay did, taking on Seabrook's contract, putting him in an LTEIR, giving them cap space to maneuver. Um, I think those are smart moves under the cap um, that will pay dividends. With Vegas, you know, I, I still do look at it, and I'm sure they're thrilled with their center depth now with Nolan Patrick in the fold as well. But, I, like, it, it did become glaringly obvious that that was their need at, at a certain point in these playoffs. I'm surprised they haven't attacked that need as as vigilantly as you would assume. Well, I think it's the price. You know, I asked, um, I actually asked Kelly McCrimmon directly on the Zoom call yesterday, uh, how important is, or I guess I forget how I phrased it, but something like, what's, how much do you need a number one center? And his response was, we like our centers, which, you know, makes sense. I mean, that's what he's going to say. But I just think to, to acquire a number one center, it's a high price in terms of assets, right? And the one that we all look at is Jack Eichel. 
And I certainly would never rule it out because, you know, Vegas has shown that it's going to swing for the fences and make big moves and go after big names. And that's why, you know, my first instinct was like, all right, Flurry, you clear out that cap space. Maybe you make a run at the number one center like Eichel. But I'm sure Buffalo's price is high and the guy's, you know, wants to have surgery. He's definitely coming off an injury. So, you know, maybe that's not, maybe it's not prudent, right? Number one centers are very hard to acquire. There's a reason why that's like still their biggest hole uh, after all the moves they've made since expansion. So um, I certainly think they would like one, but getting one is easier said than done. And, and on the Eichel topic, Nick, you know, we've, we've seen Buffalo say, hey, I, I'd be perfectly fine if, if training camp comes around and Jack Eichel is still on our roster. Do you think he's willing to follow through with that idea and let this linger potentially into September, maybe even to the start of the season? Or, or do you expect that we'll see a resolution here, you know, sometime in the next week or two? What I would say is I would be patient. I don't know what Kevin Adams is going to do, but, like, what's the rush? You know, I think – um, you know, they're not close to winning the Stanley Cup. This is an incredibly valuable asset. You need to maximize the return on that asset, uh, even if you have to go through some headaches. Um, the other complication is his health, right? Like he has a, a neck issue. He wants to have surgery. Um, you know, does that affect the return, right? Like, so I would just wait, like, until I get what I feel is worth it. Um, you know, I, I don't, like, I remember... Um, you know, other instances where, you know, teams have waited, right? So I, I just, I would be patient. And when I get what I need to make the move, then I make the move. Nick Katanika joining us from NHL.com. Uh, I'll, I'll pose this in two parts here, you know, as the moves start flying in uh, and anything about the trades that have happened, which team to you has improved the most over the last week and which team are you most confused by uh, over the last week? Um. It could be both Chicago. <laughs> uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of Chicago right now. A um, lot of moves, and and I still think there's. Um, I want to see how this all shakes out. Um, I'm not quite sure how much they've improved. It depends what Flurry decides to do, or if they flip him for more assets, which I suspect might be the the end result. Um, so that's a team I'm sort of scratching my head and wondering, wondering what's going on. And, you know, another one is sort of Carolina, um, you know, where they're at. Like, I guess I'm still, I want to see how it all shakes out. Right. And there's some big questions there. Like, uh, you know, is their goaltending really better, um, after, after everything that they've done? Um, you know, what happens with Dougie? So, um, you know, these are things I'm watching. You bring up Carolina and Dougie Hamilton, and it does seem all signs point to, I don't believe it's official, but that Dougie Hamilton Hamilton will land uh, with the New Jersey Devils. Didn't get uh, really a competitive offer from Carolina, it seems like. Are you a little surprised that, you know, the Dougie Hamilton sweepstakes, I mean, he's really the top name in free agency this year, that they're going to kind of wrap up so quickly? It doesn't seem like there's that there was that, um, you know, avalanche of interest in him that sometimes we see for top UFAs around the league this this time. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a reason Dougie's bounced around, right? Like for a player of that caliber, like he's, I don't know how many teams he's been on now, right? So there are pluses with Dougie. There are minuses, at least in perception, um, you know, but he's he's still going to do very well for himself. And, you know, again, that creates a hole for Carolina. So now what, right? So that's a big piece to lose. So, um, 
you know, I don't know. In terms of surprise, no, just knowing Dougie's history and the way teams have viewed him uh, at the very least. Uh, he is Nick Hatsunika from NHL.com. Nick, thanks a lot for giving us some time. I know it's a busy day, and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, signing season here. I appreciate it, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nick Kotsunika here from NHL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Kotsunika. If you want to chime in, 650-650-604-280-0650. We'll have open boards uh, for uh, the foreseeable future for the next hour. Uh, we'll talk to Gord Stelic at 10 o'clock, former NHL GM. What today is like. And uh, also Yannick Hansen at 11 o'clock to react to the Canucks moves. Are they better? Are they suffering? Where are they? Uh, while we were talking to uh, Nick, another AHL signing for the Vancouver Canucks, Brady Keeper, another right-handed D-man, played a couple of games for uh, the Florida Panthers. But this is, uh, again, one of the things they got to do is build out the AHL yep. club as well and fill up holes over there. So you, we talked about Brad Hunt already. You know, guys who are going to compete for NHL jobs and, and try to push that bottom part of the roster, you know, Ewell Levy, Rathbone. You want to be in the NHL, you got to earn those spots. So I still look at these as AHL signings, but it's a certain level of how do we motivate and push some guys that we kind of need a little bit more from. So that was just a uh, $760,000 two-way deal or two-year deal. Uh, again, so that's meant to, you know, be create a competitive environment. And I will say, Bick, you know, people are getting on us for for ripping this uh, Canucks defense core right now. And, you know, we are making the point that, uh, at least in our opinions, it hasn't improved enough to get the Canucks to where they really want to go next year. I will say, from a total organizational depth perspective, it is much improved. If you just look at what they're going to have available to them for call-ups from the AHL, as you said, they've already done uh, Brad Hunt, now Brady Keeper, who I think is an interesting player. Uh, Kyle Burrows, it sounds like, who got some time, got a few games in with Colorado last season. There's a good chance that he will sign and play in Abbotsford as well. So if you just look at that group as your kind of first three call-ups from the AHL compared to, and no disrespect to any of these players, but compared to the group it's been in recent years, right, where it's Ashton Sautner, Guillaume Brisebois, Jalen Chatfield, that's a significant upgrade. And we know injuries always happen for the Canucks on the blue line, right? So these players, you're going to see them at different times in an NHL uniform, and and again, I just think that, look, it's not the sexiest thing to go out and improve, but it matters. It matters for the Canucks. It always matters for the Canucks, and credit where credit is due, that part of their roster, that part of the org chart is better now. And uh, I think it fits some old toughness, right? The, like, the thing about Tucker Pullman, to his credit, for, for the people that are you know texting us saying, hey, you guys are ragging on Tucker Pullman too much. So, okay, the benefits of his game, tough as hell. I think we all remember the uh, uh, shot block to his face last year. And I would say, like, his, his, his style of game is exactly meant to be that. You know, push guys along the boards, be physical. He, he is that mold. This is a question of, does he have the certain level of, you know, defensive IQ and puck moving ability that's required in, in this uh, NHL now. And and that remains to be seen. Keeper, also, I would say, a very tough player. And then, yep. obviously, Hamannick, Shen, they wanted to get physical. That was, that was their goal. So they are executing their plan as far as getting physical D-men. 
And I will say, with Tucker Poolman, and I, I forget exactly who it was who made this point in the inbox, but it's a good one. Played 39 games, played some fairly significant minutes for the Jets last year in 39 games, only two penalty minutes. So, yeah, he does bring that. And I think that's a good thing. I know some people look at it, oh, I want my guy to be rough well, and tumble like Schmidt, and, and right? get like in their Nate face. Schmidt never took penalties. Yeah, no, like that's a good thing for your defenseman, right, to limit penalties. So I'm, I'm mentioning this in a very positive sense, but that's good that he can play – a little bit more physical, a little tougher, while also keeping it on the right side of the line and staying disciplined. So that's very much a mark in his favor. And again, shout out to the texter who pointed it out. I think, you know, we're not trying to rip on Tucker Pullman, the player. It's the allocation of resources and the and the contract, right? Hey, man, if this I, was, I'm if pro this was... Tucker Pullman getting his money, like $10 million. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, always. We're always pro players getting money here. But if it was, you know, two by two point five to play on the third pairing, okay, yeah, okay, that that's a that's a pretty interesting deal. It's both the term and the the worry for me that they're going to ask him to play a role that maybe he's not going to thrive in. That's the concern for me. Six fifty, six fifty. Keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, Bick Mazar and Jamie Dodd here filling in for uh, Rintoul and a sermon. Uh, this one's from Elliot and Ladner. Jim can't help himself in free agency. When has handing out term ever worked out for him? The sad part is there is no Pullmans in the Canucks system that can play on an entry-level contract. That's an interesting thought. Is there a contract that has worked out from Jim Benning that was longer than two years? Nope. Like, like Verbata steps up as, like, you know. Ryan, Ryan Miller was three years? Yeah, Ryan Miller. Yeah, yeah, that I would mean, be it. I mean, that's going back some time now. That's going back quite a ways. Jim Benning's been here a long time. It's been a long, long time. Yeah, uh, this one. Uh, Marcus Gibson. Get the eternal optimist C-Mac on the phone. Balance out the texture. Well, C-Mac's coming up at 1 o'clock. Uh, we got a long way to go till then. Uh, and so you get to hang out with us until then. If you want to chime in, 604-280-0650. Mike, our D is going to get walked on. They're fast once they get going, but they really lack a quickness, have poor acceleration and braking, poor pivots and edge work, have poor stick work and awareness. That is from Mike, worried about the defense right now. I think there's some fair concerns in there. I mean, there's been so much emphasis around the NHL, and, it, and it's so interesting because – in the regular season, we all talk about the importance of mobility and every player being able to skate and every every defenseman being able to move the puck effectively. And then, you know, Montreal makes this run to the Stanley Cup final and all of a sudden it's all, oh, you know, you got to have guys who can box out around in the net. You got to have these big, strong defensemen. And look, big, strong defensemen, they play a role in the NHL. Of course they do. But again, this is a team that's still trying to carve out their spot in the playoffs. And in the regular season, you do need to put an emphasis on the mobility on your blue line, on the ability to make a first pass from your guys on your blue line. And is this is this defense score from the Canucks up to the task? You know, Quinn Hughes is. I think Jack Rathbone is. Are the other guys up to it? I'm not so sure. Uh, this one. Uh, text coming in, 650. 650. Uh, tire man chain. The Canucks defense sucks once again. They're going to be fighting just to try and make the playoffs. Uh, and also, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson is Louis Erickson. Tucker Pullman is Antoine Roussel. Time is cyclical. Time is a flat circle, according to the texter. We got yes. some uh, True Detective fans. There you go. That's a that's a throwback. Uh, that... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, True Detective. It really, it really fell off the face of the earth right after after season two disappointed everyone. You don't, you don't see a lot of references to it anymore. A L- little bit of a redemption in season three, though. Calm down. It was all right. Just saying. Just from a, from a cultural impact. Sure. Perspective. Uh, Brendan and Imo, you guys are assuming Pullman will be a bottom pair of liability. He has the opportunity to do what he did in Winnipeg, which was good. 2.5 per year. How is term a problem? Term is the problem. This is what always happens. If, if, the player, if the player doesn't live up to your assumption of what you think he can be at the time of signing, and two years down the road you're looking at this and thinking, you know what, Jet Wu's better. You know what, we drafted someone else and we signed someone else and we really don't need this guy. You limit your options when you have term. That's the issue. Yeah, it, it's term is always the thing that ends up killing these players or killing the, 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 these teams when they make these deals on day one of free agency, right? It's, it's never the AAV. Think about how much better off the Canucks would have been if Louis Erickson's deal was three years instead of six, right? Even if it was three years, $8 million, that would have been so much preferable to six by six because it's the term it's when these guys start to decline when they don't live up to the contract they become liabilities it becomes very difficult to move them another texter earlier in the show said oh who cares they, they'll be able to trade this guy at the drop of a hat if he struggles no they won't they won't they'll, there's a good chance they'll have to either attach an asset or take something else back that they don't want to if that if that's the way the deal goes uh, here's the text I was looking for, uh, Mike and Victoria. Looking at Pullman's size, he compares very favorably or similarly to Willie Mitchell. We should be pleased, very pleased, if he grows into such a player. Here's the thing. He's 28 years old. Like, he's not growing into anything. He played top four minutes. I get it. But top four, like, playing top four minutes and being qualified to play top four minutes are two yes. vastly different things. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, similar, it's similar to, the, to, the, to the, uh, the quarterback conversation, right? There's 32 starting positions. There's not 32 qualified starting quarterbacks. It's an issue. So just because you're playing one of the spots does not automate, automatically make you qualified to play that role. Just because you play top four minutes doesn't mean you're a top four D-man. He played top four minutes on a team whose blue line was a major liability, right? Like, Winnipeg's blue line was not good last year. So, okay, sure, yeah, he played top four for an NHL team, but is that the blue line you want to be recreating, what Winnipeg had last season? Uh, we'll answer a couple of more of your texts. Brendan and I almost got one talking about comparing it to a previous uh, Canucks decor. We'll get to more of that conversation. Plus, your thoughts, 650, 650, and 604, 280, 650 on signing season. Bick Nazar, Jamie Dodd filling in for Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. Welcome back to Rintoul and Sermon. Bick Nazar and Jamie Dodd filling in. On signing season, we heard about a, a lot of contracts being signed prior to 9 a.m., uh, but as of 9 a.m., <laughs> teams can make it official, uh, and uh, they have been doing so, spending a lot of money so far in a free agency. Uh, I, was, I was trying to uh, keep up to uh, speed on the cap-friendly tracker. Uh, so far, I think $104 million have been spent on cap hit, and 298 uh, real dollars spent so far, so it's been uh, it's been active. It's been very active, and it it does seem like every year, you know, it's it's the question of are our general managers going to learn a little bit this year? And it never quite seems to be the year that they do. Uh, let's get everyone caught up on some of you know we've been we've been hitting the Canucks, mm-hmm. and we'll get back in obviously on the Canucks and what they've done. They've been very active so far today. Let's get you caught up on. 
uh, some of the bigger deals from around the league as well. You mentioned it earlier, Michael Granlund back with the Nashville Predators and a pretty significant deal too. Four years, $5 million per season for Granlund to go back to Nashville. Uh, this one just came in not that long ago. Sean Corrali goes to Columbus, four years, $2.5 million. One of the top right-hand shot defensemen on the market, David Savard. No surprise here. He's He's been linked to Montreal for a while. He ends up with the Canadians, four years, $3.5 million per season. Another defenseman off the market early, Ryan Suter. How about this for the 36-year-old Ryan Suter? Four years, $3.65 million per season. So he gets bought out of that long-term contract in Minnesota and then basically immediately finds another deal uh, that will take him through his 40-year-old season. Good for Ryan Suter. And I wanted to get, I don't think we've mentioned this one either yet, Vic. I wanted to get this one in here. Blake Coleman, mm-hmm. six years, just a shade under $5 million, $4.9 million per to go to the Calgary Flames. So the Canucks will see a lot more of Blake Coleman this upcoming season. And, you know, we've been talking all week really about Calgary and their search for an identity and, and trying to find players that fit the Daryl Sutter style of play that they want. I mean, Blake Coleman is pretty much perfect in that mold, right? The the hard nose player, but still has sufficient skill. I love Coleman as a player. The term on that one, he's already 29, given his style of play, would make me pretty nervous as a Flames fan. Uh, It feels like uh, the Flames saw Zach Hyman sign in Edmonton for uh, his his big contract. Or just, you know, just a classic hold my beer moment, right? It's like... You're going to sign Zach Hyman to $38.5 million? Stand back. We got Blake Coleman at $29.4 million. Hold our beer. Although I, I kind of like Blake Coleman more than Zach I'd rather have I'd rather have Coleman as a player, and I'd rather have the Coleman deal over Zach Hyman's deal. So yeah, I think Calgary one-upped uh, Edmonton in that one for sure. Uh, this texter comes in. Do the Kraken know it's free agent day? Uh, Don, that's from Don in Richmond. Also, apparently, Chris and Duncan says I didn't say where Suter went to in that last update. He went to Dallas. Thank you for catching that, Chris and Duncan. But Don in Richmond says, do the Kraken know it's free agent day? I mean, man, we talked about this. We had a little debate about this earlier in the week. Still waiting for this big, bold, for some sort of big, bold, aggressive move with all of that cap space from the Seattle Kraken. They have, I believe, signed Alex Wenberg to a multi-year deal. I'm not sure if that's been made official or not, so I'll have to dig around and find the the details on that uh... one. Yeah, we're expecting it to be a three-year, $4.5 million AAV. And a couple of people are texting in here. Hey, the Hamannick contract, uh, is it AAV of 1.5? No, it's two years, no. $6 million total with $3 million AAV. Yeah, so two years, $3 million per season. And then just back on the Kraken for a second, uh, Alex Wenberg, yeah, we expect to go there in a three-year deal. We're also hearing that Jaden Schwartz uh, is very, very likely to end up in Seattle. Not exactly sure the terms on that one yet, but if that does happen, I mean, you know, two decent players, but not exactly a big splash for the Kraken. Uh, yeah, keep the thoughts coming in. 650-650 on uh, uh, this one as well. Uh, he's tweeting it out, so uh, I guess when the player tweets it out himself, I guess that makes it uh, official. But uh, former Vancouver Giant Jordan Martinook, uh, tweeting out that uh, no place I'd rather be. Carolina is home, and the Kaniacs are family. Hashtag I'm back. So uh, Martin Nook, uh, I think he signed a, a three-year deal at uh, 1.8 million dollars per. So it's 5.4 uh, over the course of the three years. 
There you go. Yeah, the Canes have been very active in some, you know, smart moves. Uh, some that don't make a ton of sense, right? Well, I don't they, mind the the deal to get Ethan Bear from Edmonton. Yeah. Now, mind you, they gave a Warren Fogle for that. Um, yep. But Ethan Bear and Tony D'Angelo on the same blue line. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, they've had a, a puzzling uh, offseason so far. They also signed Antti Ranta to a four million dollar contract uh, over two years uh so two million dollars aav yeah not a bad bet there i mean we we talked to uh, mike mckenna yesterday brought up anti ranta and he said really likes him as a goalie he just can't stay healthy so you're gambling a little bit there Sorry, i don't the know is... yeah the other goalie they signed was yeah. Freddie anderson right so two goalies yes. that like have a bit of durability question uh, and I mean, in, in Freddie Anderson's case has performance issues as well. I mean, he hasn't been exactly stellar the last couple of seasons. And I know Carolina's MO is don't spend on goalies, gamble and hope that one hits, but it's come up negative for them in the past. And I, I'm not, I wouldn't be thrilled about going in with an Anderson Ranta goalie combo. It's always tough to pick out winners. Cause we do this all the time. Like, Hey, after the draft, we, you and I did winners and losers kind of thing. Um, just so far, based off of what we're seeing on uh, signing season kicking off, you know, what team do you look at just based off their transactions today? Do you look at it and say, hey, they're kind of doing a good job with it so far? Uh, I kind of do look at Montreal. Obviously, the big benefit of having that contract for David Savard. Um, like, I, I like David Savard. There are worries about how he ages. I get it. Um, but at that cost, at $3.5 I'm less concerned with it. Um, than some of the other deals we've seen. Um, that's a decent day. Uh, you know, Philly, could you throw them in this conversation? Yandel's a really cheap one. Um, I, I'd throw Vegas in there. Alec Martinez locking him up. Maybe not yeah. an incredible value deal, but he's an important part of their team, and they're in well, their they window. For, yeah, exactly. They for Going Dad, out and trading Evgeny Dadunov, who's a player I really like. Didn't have to give up a ton to get him. I think it was the third round pick and Nick Holden. So I like that deal. Now you could make the argument, would they have been better off using some of that cap space to go after Jack Eichel? Maybe there's a chance they still do that, but I like Dadnov as an addition for Vegas. Um, Elliot Friedman mentioned this last night and Kevin Weeks is tweeting about it as well. Just now uh, hearing Tampa Bay lightning closing in on an eight year extension with Braden point, something uh, Elliot mentioned that they do. Hey, a year before these guys uh, get to free agency, restricted free agency, or UFA, whatever it is, they like to lock up their guys. So Braden Point uh, closing in on a massive extension. I imagine you'd see that number hover around nine and some change. Uh, I mean, if if it's eight years by nine for Braden Point, that's a steal. Braden Point's an incredible player. But but here's the thing: is is when you get guys signed to a certain level of contracts, right? Everyone just kind of falls in line. Yep. And, you know, there is a certain hierarchy. So when you get Kucherov at 9.5 and Andre Vasilevsky at 9.5, I, I get the point for Braden to, to say, oh, I, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, I, I understand Braden's position to say, hey, I'm worth this and all this sort of stuff. But the locker room uh, hierarchy does matter. And players, you know, are, are, can be unselfish in that way to, to say, because he's doing this, it, it makes sense for, for everyone to fall in line. I'll take 9.5 as well. It does, and I would expect that that's what we'll see from Braden Point, especially, I mean, at eight years, you know, you're getting so much security on term. You can be a little, you know, you don't have to necessarily push for every dollar 
of AAV. But again, whatever price it comes in at, it's going to be a great deal for Tampa because there's not a ton of players like Braden Point in the league. Nick Nazar and Jamie Dodd here with you. Uh, keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, this is Chuck in the Blueberry Fields. Uh, is defenseman whisperer Brad Shaw fingerprints on this Poolman deal? Well, he's been uh, labeled as such, and so it'll be interesting to see his role in building this out. Is this something that can uh, be improved upon? Because, look, the returns on, on Tucker Poolman uh, playing in Winnipeg aren't good if you – if you look at the underlying metrics, if you want to go by the film, they haven't been encouraging. But Bradshaw gets labeled A as this defensive D-man or this defensive coach. Yeah, there's going to be a responsibility on his part to do so. And the other concern is, you know, given what we've seen from the last couple of uh, uh, seasons for the Vancouver Canucks decor, and I, I guess you could say the coaching, is it fair to assume that, hey, a player in a new role and a new team is going to improve? I, I'm not convinced that is uh, uh, fair to make that assumption. Well, what were we all saying or all speculating about at least this time last offseason or whenever the actual offseason started? I can't remember with the dates with the bubble and everything, right? But when they signed Braden Holpe, there was a lot of talk about what getting to work with Ian Clark would do for his game. Everybody says Ian Clark and thinks that Ian Clark, one of the absolute top goaltending coaches in the NHL in the world of hockey, right? So there was a lot of optimism about what that would do for Braden Holpe's game. It didn't happen. It didn't materialize, right? Braden Holpe still struggled in Vancouver, wasn't able to get his career back on track. You can have the best coach in the world. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to single-handedly turn around a player's performance. And if the Canucks do think that because they have Bradshaw and he can help develop these defensemen and get them to a new level of performance. Well, why are you paying a premium then to bring in a player like Tucker Pullman, right? If that, if you think you have that edge, you should be going bargain hunting saying, Hey, listen, we can, we can afford to bring in a cheaper player because we know we have the coach who can get the most out of him. So look, is there a possibility that in a new system, in a new role with new coaching that Tucker Pullman takes a step forward? Yeah, of course. It's absolutely a possibility. It's just a question of whether that bet makes sense at the term, at the money they signed to get him. Yeah, like this text coming in. I'm not sure if you read this one uh, while you are talking there. Just, uh, I love this judgment over the terms. You know, players have leverage in these negotiations, right? Supply and demand. And the team's leverage is opportunity with the club. Like, I, I get supply and demand dictates uh, part of the, the, the free agency, and that's why teams tend to spend uh, too much. But the what's the big difference between... You know, you know, once you get to a certain tier in the free agency, what's the big, big difference between a Tucker Pullman and a Yanni Hockenpah or a Mark Pissick or that type of yep. player? Like, the opportunity is your leverage to say, hey, we're going to give you NHL minutes. You don't have to get a, uh, a two-way contract or you know, be on the roster bubble. Your opportunity is playing in the NHL, and we won't have to give four years to it. So, you know, numbers tweet us as well. Like, who are some other guys? Well, there's two guys. And I get, look, the right-handed D-man uh, market is not great. Jason Demers isn't there, and I know he was kind of having a, a bit of fun on Twitter last <laughs> night as well. But, like, there are names if you didn't want to commit $10 million to Tucker Pullman. And this, again, you know, I, I hearken back to the arguments that were made in 2018 when they made the Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel deals, right? Well, they, you know, they had to overpay to get them to Vancouver. Well, no one's holding a gun to your head to sign those deals, right? And, and again, someone, I think it was numbers on Twitter said, you know, they had to give the fourth year because there was competition for his services. Then let the other team give him a fourth year. Let the other team 
make a mistake. No one's saying you have to make the deal. No one's saying you have to make the deal on day one. If the only terms that the player is going to accept don't make sense, then don't make the deal. And again, full credit to Tucker Pullman and his agent for getting a great deal. But you can't use that as an argument. Well, you know, he had leverage. He wanted this deal. Then don't sign the player. That's your option. That's your, that is your choice to make. This is when we talk about, you know, what is your process? And I do feel at times, I mean, just given history, the Canucks have targeted players rather than creating a shortlist to say, hey, this is the style of player we need. Here are the six guys that we think can fit this, uh, this role. Let's go through. And if, if, if we get outpriced on this guy, so be it. Let's go to the next guy. It does feel like they go into free agency with, hey, we need to get Jay Beagle and only Jay Beagle yeah. and Michael Furland and only Michael Furland and Antoine Roussel and only Antoine Roussel and on and on and on down the line of a, a litany of free agents rather than say, hey, is there a style of player we just need and can we be flexible and versatile? in our negotiations because when you approach it as these are the six players we need to get when the price goes up and the term is demanded to be more you are going to cave because you've come in with one plan where is your agility in these transactions in a day when you are meant to be in in a time period when you were meant to be very flexible very versatile you know two after the draft or the day of the draft when they made that ekman larson trade one of my points was it started to feel like they got rid of all the bad money, and now it's important to kind of maintain a certain level of flexibility. They were going to have to spend, but they could have flexibility because they were open, because now their assets are somewhat desirable. You can make trades. You know, We saw Nate Schmidt move out for a third-round pick to Winnipeg yesterday. Braid, hopefully they wind up having to buy him out. But if in a year's time they sour on JT Miller, he's going to be a, a valued asset, and you can – open up space because you can be flexible in that regard. You no longer have dead money controlling how you get into these contract negotiations or trade negotiations. A little bit of that flexibility has been chewed up now by signing four years to Tucker Pullman by with, and and then you added $3 million for Travis Hamannick. Are you stripping away a chance at your flexibility for not high end talent? Yeah, and we're getting texts along those lines as well. This one, unsigned, says Canucks fans always have tunnel vision. They see 2.5 and think it's reasonable. If they were to look at our cap troubles in two years, they'd realize why this Pullman deal has so many red flags. We have Besser up next year, Bo and JT Miller up the following year. Now I think we might have to trade Miller to re-sign Besser uh, and Bo with Pullman locked in for four years. And, and, you know, I understand the anxiety there from the texture. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but you're right, Big. It reduces your overall flexibility going forward. And it's not as if, you know, clearing the last years of Erickson and Beagle and Roussel made navigating the salary cap a walk in the park for the next five years for the Canucks, mm-hmm. right? They've still got major challenges. They should still be striving not to add more potential liabilities to the roster. And I think Again, what it comes down to with the Tucker Pullman deal is there's just too big a chance that it ends up being a liability down the road. Uh, this one seems weird that Bradshaw is this great defenseman coach, but Baumgartner is still there. Look, it's part of the uh, the conversation of, of how this is all going to play out. There's got to see and be some changes. Travis Green wanted uh, another voice. Again, for some of the things that they've wanted to do, they have executed them. Travis Green wanted an extra voice. They brought in an extra voice. So there's three associate coaches now 
So, you know, Jason King obviously takes his role, uh, replacing Newell Brown. But th- there is bodies there. You think of what they wanted to do defensively. They wanted to get tougher. So they got in Tucker Poolman. They got in Luke Shen. They brought back Travis Hamannick. They move out Nate Schmidt for the identity of what they want to do or executing their plan. They are doing it. We are debating the merit of that plan. Does that plan have validity to win games in the NHL and have success in the playoffs? And what's the cost of that plan, I think, is the other the other question, right? Like, you can execute that plan in a cost-effective way or in a less cost-effective way, and I think they've done the latter here. I do feel like we should, you know, we've, we've been focusing on the defense core so much, Bick. That's where mm-hmm. probably the two most surprising moves happened today uh, in Hamannick and Tucker Pullman. We should give a little bit of attention to what they've done up front, specifically mm-hmm. – they bring back Brandon Sutter, a one-year deal, just over $1 million for that one year. And I think it's a fascinating contract. In some ways, you know, we always, in this salary cap era, right, you always have to separate the player from the contract. And for so long, the discussion about Brandon Sutter in Vancouver has been dominated by concerns about his contract. This is a case where all of a sudden you have a guy who's going to be playing probably the right role as fourth line center behind Jason Dickinson and who's going to be on a very, very reasonable contract. And in that circumstance, Brandon Sutter can absolutely help your team. It's kind of the the inverse situation of, of the Tucker Pullman deal, to be honest, where, yeah, Tucker Pullman can help your team. It's just about role and the cap number. And that was always the problem with Brandon Sutter. The role was wrong and the salary cap number was too high. But if you correct both of those things with Brandon Sutter, which the Canucks have done, all of a sudden I think you have a really valuable fourth line center on your hands. So that's uh, where it stands on the front, uh, uh, the fours. And, and, and this was necessary. We talked about to-do list, fourth line center, Absolutely necessary, and again, fits the mold of what they of what they desire. Wins faceoffs, can play in the D zone, you know, play the penalty kill. And you start looking at uh, who are the the lead penalty killers now for the Vancouver Canucks. It's Jason Dickinson, it's Brandon Sutter, it's Tyler Mott. They probably need to sign one to two more uh, to to kind of fill that role. Matt Highmore, if he comes, uh, if he's a regular uh, in the NHL. I, as much as Connor Garland and JT Miller can play penalty kill minutes, uh, minutes, I'm not sure I want to see them consistently on the penalty kill. You can get more bodies, uh, high effort players in the bottom six uh, to start uh, filling out those roles as well. But the, the forward group looks significantly better. They have, you know, three legitimate NHL lines who are all slotted in the right roles. We can debate which winger should go where, but Pedersen, Horvat, Dickinson are all slotted in roles where they can succeed in. Miller, Garland, Pearson, Besser, Hoaglander, and Podkolzin are all guys who should be in top nines. We'll see if Podkolzin, you know, is given that opportunity right out of the gate, but the way you build it out right now makes a lot of sense to say those are nine qualified forwards at the NFL level. And then Sutter, as you mentioned there, fits in in as a fourth-line spot. Well, and then even, you know, you throw Tyler Mott in there as well. Uh, Tyler Mott's a quality yeah. fourth-line yeah. player in the NHL. So all of a sudden you look at, you know, so often they have had guys playing above the role they should be in the bottom six or, you know, guys who you say, maybe if we cross our fingers, maybe he'll take that jump into a legitimate third-line player and it hasn't happened. You're not really crossing your fingers anymore. And even you go down to the fourth line, you like Brandon Sutter as a fourth-line center. I think you really like Tyler Mott. As a fourth line winger, there's going to be a lot of competition for that last spot on the fourth line. You know, among the li- among the likes of 
of Matthew Highmore, of a Zach McEwen. I wouldn't be surprised to go out if they go out and add another depth piece that can compete at that forward spot. The forward group looks really nice. There's a lot to like about that forward group. And you, you know, we're talking about the potential downside of the defense. The potential upside of the forward group is really high. Because you could see a bounce back and a major step forward from Elias Pettersson, right? I think you could see a bounce back here from JT Miller. Connor Garland has a ton of upside. Brock Besser still has a ton of upside. Hoaglander and Pod Colson, all of these guys you can imagine being very, very effective. And I will say this, I mean, stylistically, if you like high-scoring games or, or fast-paced, lots-of-shots games, you could be really <laughs> in luck for the Canucks this year. Because I think the forward group looks very strong, and there's some question marks on the blue line. A couple of two-way deals to catch you up on. One in Vancouver. The first uh, official signing, uh, the rest of them are all reports, uh, but the first official signing is from uh, the Vancouver Canucks is Justin Bailey, a one-year two-way contract. And uh, another one of interest for Canucks fans, another two-way contract. The Las Vegas Golden Knights have signed Sven Berchi to a two-way contract worth 750k so Berti lands in the pacific division once again uh, remains to be seen how much uh, we see of him at the nhl level but we might see him versus vancouver potential for a uh, Sven berti revenge game coming up at some point love it the schedule yeah a, a bunch of revenge games in the pacific division. oh yeah louis, louis erickson antoine roussel and uh jay beagle all uh all revenge games. Well, Arizona's bumped over, though. Arizona's not Pacific Division. Oh, anymore. yeah. Sorry. We yes, will yes, see them. Bad, yeah, bad. yeah. We will see them. Well, we'll see if they play. But, I mean, we'll see Arizona, at least, in conference play. Sorry, I meant the Cole Lid revenge game. That's that's what I meant this whole time. That's right. That's yes. right. Uh, Bick and Zara, Jamie Dodd, we'll be back in a bit. Keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, 650-650 into the text message inbox. Uh, busy show. We'll talk to you. Yannick Hansen coming up at... Uh, 11 o'clock on the way next former NHL GM Gord Stellick and Sportsnet NHL analyst uh, will join us here on Rintoul and Sermon. You're listening to Rintoul and Sermon. Welcome back to Rintoul and Sermon. Bick Nazar and Jamie Dodd here filling in for Scott and Karen. Uh, a lot going on today, obviously, with signing season kicking off. Uh, Jamie, uh, what do you got for us? Send me something here. What? Oh, I see. No, not, not really. Well, it broke earlier in the day, I guess, but the Canucks have, uh, have signed their, not their first round pick, their second round pick, first pick in the most Uh, recent NHL entry draft to their, to his entry level contract. I just wanted to share this quote. Our, Our very own Chris Faber reached out to Klimovich's camp Uh, Got this quote. Danny is excited about signing with the Vancouver Canucks. He is 100% coming to training camp in the fall and is coming to compete for a roster spot. Now, everything we've heard about Klimovich is that he is a long-term developmental project. Chances of him earning a roster spot on, on what is shaping up to be a pretty deep forward group for the Vancouver Canucks. Don't put a lot of stock in that. Very slim chances. But I just love to see the swagger. I love to see the confidence from a young player just signing his ELC. Why not set your sights on coming in to earn a roster spot? It sounds like there's also a chance uh, that he'll suit up for a- for the AHL team, which I think would be really exciting and an interesting move for the team. So just shout out to Danila Klimovich, signs his ELC, and showing off some of that swagger that everyone was talking about on draft day. Uh, another D-man the Canucks uh, have reportedly signed. Uh, this is Devontae Stevens. 
uh, former White Rock product as well. So he is uh, signing to, again, another one of these depth D-men that they're going to need. Uh, and another local guy, right, yeah. for, for the AHL team. Brad Hunt. We've heard the Kyle Burroughs rumors. That's not official yet. Now Devontae Western Stevens. Canada dominating in, yeah. in Abbotsford. Lower lower mainland local guys are going to be suiting up for the uh, the Abbotsford Canucks here. I'm also curious too, because you know, because Abbotsford's an hour closer to uh, to the Okanagan. You know, can you get guys at- attracted to that to want to sign in in Abbotsford as well? I mean, if there's one thing we know, it's that Western Canadian hockey players love the Okanagan. So you might be onto something there. Love it, like love, love it. the Okanagan. Yeah, yeah, and, and so if it's. Uh, it's an easy trek to get there. Why not? Uh, and Frank Cervelli kind of uh, making it official reporting now. Uh, Luke Shen indeed heading to the Vancouver Canucks. Two years at 850K. Uh, again, the, the, the term in this, I think, is kind of rooted in the idea of if we have to send him down to the AHL, is the term going it's to nothing. deter teams? Yeah. Well, yeah, is the term, it being two years, is it going to shy teams away from... Uh, from picking to, him up on waivers. Yeah, yeah. From, yeah, from claiming him, right? So I think that's why when we were talking about yesterday, why give out two years for Luke Shen? I think because it's a league minimum salary, if it was a one or a close to league minimum, if it was a one-year deal, I do think Luke Shen would get claimed. If you add the second year, I think teams are going to look at that and say, well, maybe we don't do this. And that's a case where I don't really mind giving the second year to lure Luke Shen to Vancouver because it's so low risk. It's You can bury the entirety of it in the AHL. And even if you do, on the off chance you do lose him on waivers, yeah, okay, all right. You know, you, they've just made a ton of other depth signings. You don't want to lose a player on waivers, but it's not exactly going to be a major blow to your organization. So, yeah, two years at that number for Luke Shen, no problem with that. But the uh, the body count is getting pretty high now. As far as oh, yeah. guys who are going to be competing for, for spots on the blue line. And uh, we'll talk to Gord Stelic in, in just a minute. But I'm curious about, hey, you know, building a competitive environment for training camp. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to Gord Stelic right now, former NHL GM, uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst. I uh, hear him on the Fan 590 as well. Uh, Gord, thanks a lot for giving us some time uh, this morning or this afternoon in Toronto. Uh, so the, the Canucks sign... Tucker Poulbin, Luke Shen, uh, Travis Hamannick, they're, they're creating a competitive blue line. And when you're building out a roster for training camp and it feels like the Canucks want guys to compete for jobs, is this the way to go about it? Well, uh, well, I guess good morning, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, and <laughs> I, uh, I, I would, you know, I, I can remember uh, he had the Canuck lineage. Dave Nonis did that a few years ago in Toronto and there was that corporate golf tournament and he kind of like introduced all the, or the players got all introduced and it was quantity. And he kind of said, well, you know, this is, uh, this is why we have brought so many people. They're going to compete for jobs. Um, it's nowadays, that's a little bit harder to do that. You really are making commitments in the cap world that they, they've got to play. So you've got to hope that your um, scouts, your pro scouts and in, in how you assess things. Cause you know, you look at in Nate Schmidt, that, he was leaving a situation he loved in Vegas, wasn't able to do the same in Vancouver. Um, Tyson Berry, same thing. He wasn't able to do it with the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of years ago. He found himself again in Edmonton. So uh, I think there's, you know, there's an element of competition, but really there's spots for all those guys. Uh, they're all needed. At the end of the day, all those defensemen are needed to play, whether it's for the Vancouver Canucks or whomever. 
Gord, you know, one one of the things we've been talking about uh, throughout the course of the day here on this show is the idea of patience, because it does seem like every year there's a couple general managers who are able to keep their powder dry and wait till at least a few days into free agency, maybe a week, and you end up getting a bargain deal on a player who who hasn't found a spot elsewhere yet. How hard is it, though, for a general manager to exercise that patience? Because you look around, you know, even before free agency officially opened, there were so many deals already getting done. When you're in that pressure situation and you feel the need to go out and improve your team, how hard is it to exercise a little bit of that patience? Well, you know, Vic and Jamie, it's uh, it quite often it ends up by default. It ends up that you weren't able to get something done, so you uh, you won't admit it, but you're taking some crumbs later on. And, you know, quite often those are the per- – or every now and then that's a player at a, at a, at a good price that turns to be a, up to be a proficient free agent or good value. Certainly the goaltenders are, are one that, that that and you see with Braden Holtby, you know, leaving and, and uh, you know, everyone signing someone new and someone else leaving. I mean, Toronto and Carolina, basically it's like a, a trade of Freddie Anderson and Peter Mrazek. That was, that was a whole different animal. I mean, now you're, you're this, this second tier. Like, I mean, what's a Mike Hoffman now? Like, what's a Mike Hoffman? Two years ago, before the, the, uh, the pandemic paused, there was – you know, certainly Taylor Hall, then Mike Hoffman was right after him as far as a potential unrestricted forward. And, you know, uh, I mean, Thomas Tatar is there, is there life in Thomas Tatar? So uh, it's, uh, if, if, if it's, uh, it's, I think it's hard to be patient. I think a lot of it's dictated by what cap space you have or not. And uh, then you look around and if they slide into your price structure, uh, you, you, you hop on board. So the steps leading up to free agency, I'm curious, because you know, Jamie and I were just talking about it, it does feel like sometimes Jim Benning has a list of guys that he wants and he's only going to target Jay Beagle, and he winds up giving a bit of extra term. You know, when, you're, when you're building out a list of what you want in free agency, how much of it is, is it creating a short list, and how much of it is, is it just this guy just fits what we're trying to do, so let's go get him? Yeah, you know, the, the tougher part is the fit and the price. And then when you, it's like a lot of things when you get close. If you're bidding, in a, bidding on a house sometimes, you, you go above beyond what you realistically thought you would pay for it because you fall in love with it or whatever it may be. And, and, and that's where you gotta, you got to watch that you don't get bit by term or, or bit by money. So I think the first part is you target certain players, certain needs within your team. And then the next thing and the more difficult thing and why so many teams are backtracking and why cap space is so important, so much so that Vancouver moved three players to Arizona in to free up some cap space. They got some assets back, of course, but to free up some cap space. So, so that, that's the second part. I think that's the, that's the, you know, the key is you don't want to have to go after everybody. Uh, and when you target someone, particularly nowadays, you want to try to get a commitment right away because otherwise if there's, you know, second, second, third, fourth looks at things. Well, they've got a right to look somewhere else. And then you probably have to look at your second, third alternative because otherwise you're left holding the bag if they get back to you and, and go somewhere else. So that's a, it's, so it's a, a bit of a poker game on that part, but the other, you know, stay true to what you think brings value to your team. And then you really have to stay true to what that figure is. I like the analogy of uh, bidding war for real estate. It's a very, very appropriate analogy to use on <laughs> Vancouver Radio, Gord. So I appreciate that I one. I think there's a I lot. Of, yeah, I think there's a lot of our listeners uh, that can relate to that for sure. You know, just zeroing in on the Canucks a little bit. They they've made some major overhauls to their uh, a major overhaul to their defense. 
they bring back Travis Hamannick, but they also obviously make the trade for Oliver Ekman Larson, and then today sign Tucker Poolman. You know, we've been debating the Poolman deal. I'm a little surprised he got four years from the Canucks. How do you like his fit on Vancouver's blue line? Well, I like the player. So, I mean, you know, it, it's um, Oliver Ekman Larson's kind of a more intriguing one because whatever he got lost the last two years in Arizona, he's mostly an offensive defenseman. He's, you know, um, um, an okay defensive defenseman. There's a guy that's really going to have to find his way, I think, in Vancouver and can do that compared to in Arizona. But I, I, I like I Tucker Pullman. I think, it's, I, think it's a, I think it's a good fit. It's, it's funny. It's kind of like, you know, Ben Sherrod a couple of years ago when he went to Montreal. I like that signing. I like, you know, it's just not, it's not the Dougie Hamilton or the Seth Jones or the Kale McCarr, but uh, I, I like that fit. I think it makes your – I think it makes your D better, and all you can do is keep making moves that, if more, make you incrementally better than make you incrementally worse. You know that, even though people like the big splash more, but that's how you get better. So, okay, that's interesting that you mentioned a name like Hey Ben Chirot, and we we see the success of that. And, and you know, Jamie and I have been a bit critical of the signing, but we're open to the idea of Hey, he he fits the role and the style that the Vancouver Canucks are trying to adapt to last season, you know, Nate Schmidt, it just, it just wasn't a stylistic fit, maybe not even a personal fit as well. Do you feel like this defense, the way it's constructed right now, you got Hughes, you got Hamnick, you got Pullman, Ekman Larson, uh, Myers is in there, Rathbone. It's stylistically, is this a more functional defense than it was last year? I think it is, you know, again, on paper and just think, you know, again, getting on the ice will be the reality that way, but it's just, uh, it, I look at that Vancouver season and even, you know, Braden Holpe and just all, all that happened with the expectation Markstrom would be there. And then Holpe comes over and, and just didn't, didn't get going properly. And then of course the finish was something nobody would have projected in COVID world to be impacted as much, if not more than any other NHL team. So I, I'm willing, and I think ownership was willing to give kind of a, kind of a mulligan that way about the extenuating circumstances. Cause there's no question it's going to have to be a, a firmer a firmer commitment to that part of the game on the ice. Gord, what do you think about what Calgary has done so far here today? Because, it, you know, it's interesting. They go out and trade for Nikita Zadorov, of course, a really big physical body on the blue line. Then they go out and they make the big deal for, you know, one of the more coveted free agents on the market in Blake Coleman. Is this a case of... You know, Brad Trey Living really going out and trying to find guys who will fit the identity that Daryl Sutter wants that team to play with? Uh, that'd be partially. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, like Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow are such sexy names because uh, Tampa Bay, it seemed like they were the last two pieces to their, their Stanley Cup puzzle. And thus they go are able to go out, and I'm not knocking it, get more than uh, what I talked about earlier, the price. Like, who would not want, who, who wouldn't want to have Blake Coleman on their team? But then and same with Barkley Goodrow with the New York Rangers, that they have to perform at a level, not like just being great fourth liners, right? Uh, in, in Tampa Bay. I mean, they got to perform like second liners. And, and, you know, years ago, I'm doing decades ago when, when, when uh, the New York Rangers overspent for Bobby Holik, like what a, what a great number three center Bobby Holik was with the New Jersey Devils all those years, but he couldn't do that different role with the New York Rangers. So that, that's my, only it's not a criticism of Blake Coleman, but just that's a lot of money. And, you know, you saw James Neal when he came over, wasn't able to do replicate what he had done with another team when he came to Calgary and, you know, and, and Milan Lucic and on and on and on that way. So uh, I, I like the player uh, just in a cap tough world. That, that's a lot of money. So they better, they, 
have to uh, have to feel comfortable, or he better make a make a big, big, big impact, not just something like being an add-on, like he was in Tampa Bay, the final piece of the puzzle there. How difficult is it in times of negotiation when you're trying to bring someone in to to not overpromise a role, or or, or is that just the nature of the beast in free agency to say we got to pay you X amount of money, and you know we can give you top six minutes, even though maybe you're not suited as such. Well, tough thing in Canada, you generally have to pay like another million on average to get uh, players here. Um, and they end up, and of course, Brian Burke's a great, uh, being an American turned Canadian, just says that when your career ends, your Canadian experience will probably be your best memory. But the realities are in, in trying to sell it, uh, that's quite often what you have to do. I, I you, To me, you really got to stay away from rules because that can really bite you in the ass. That's when they can come back and you said this and and all of a sudden you put the coach in a tough position and and uh you don't want to get where you see like the, for example the bad feeling with Mark andre Fleury at the end after being the face of the vegas golden knights like you know how easily and unfortunately things can get unraveled so uh, i i think there just has to be a spirit or understanding about your team philosophy and expectations that way rather than making specific promises Gordon, I also wanted to get your thoughts on what the Chicago Blackhawks have done so far. I mean, they've been very, very active. Obviously, the latest move is they go out and get Tyler Johnson. You know, between that, Seth Jones, some of the other moves they've made, could we see Chicago take a serious step forward uh, next season? Well, big thing is if Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't uh, choose to go there, they'll still need a goaltender. Uh, but if he does go there, he's the reigning Norris Trophy winner, and I, I got to think he will. I can't speak for him but take a few days to think about it. And if that's the case, then yeah. And you get Jonathan Taves back and you assume, okay, maybe he's not the, uh, the, 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 in a totally in his prime Jonathan Taves, but still an effective player. Patrick Kane's really been an effective player. So I liked, what was it about maybe the first 60% of the season, the direction they were going in. And then, you know, they, the, the only thing is I know talking to a few people, they go, why does every, I know, I know they got a second round pick, in the process, but why is everyone helping the tie the Tampa Bay lighting out with their cap issues? Mm-hmm. You know, like, geez, like, you know, here they are. They're just, uh, want to go win another Stanley cup. And, and this was, this was a big contract that they were able to, uh, able to unload. But hey, you just have to look at the Chicago point of view. Obviously Tyler Johnson brings you some value. Uh, and, uh, and the second round pick down the road also brings you some value. So I, I do like what, what Chicago's done, but, uh, uh, they have to make sure they have a goaltender, um, if, another goaltender if Mark andre Fleury chooses not to go there. Uh, who's impressed you? Gord Selig joining us from the Fan 590. Who's impressed you so far as a team uh, for what they've done? Um, I, you know, I, Winnipeg did it before, but I like those two real hockey trades and getting Dylan from Washington, Nate Schmidt from Vancouver, and, and you know, Stastny uh, committing for one year there. I, I like those. Uh, I thought uh, you know, again, I go back to trades and Chuck Fletcher, what he did, he, he addressed, I guess they signed Keith Yandel as well on top of, you know, uh, getting uh, Ristolainen and, and also Ryan Ellis, like you're the weakest defensive team in the league. So you go out and, and make those moves. You know, Pavel Buchnevich, there's one by St. Louis. Like, you know, the Rangers didn't want to pay him the dough. Uh, Doug Armstrong saw more value in him. And I think, uh, I, I, I think that's an astute pickup by Doug Armstrong on the St. Louis side. And I guess the next part, like we were talking about earlier, guys, was about, you know, free agents and who end up being some of the more astute ones. Like, all these goaltenders, like, who's the Cam Talbot this year? Like, what a great pickup by the Minnesota Wild. And, you know, he didn't have the same, like, name, like, say, Markstrom had, for example, in the goaltenders that were on 
free agency. Um, boy, the Leafs are putting a lot in Peter Morazic. That that to me is a uh, that to me is a bit of a gamble. Like I like I like Carolina getting Freddie Anderson over Toronto's Peter Morazic, particularly, particularly where you talk about a couple teams that think they can win the Stanley Cup. And um, you know some of the other ones that are well, hey. Dallas. I mean, Ryan Suter. It was going to be an exclusive group, so I mean, to get him at under four million, uh, that's uh, that's a great unexpected pickup because I don't think anyone expected the Minnesota Wild to do what they did with him. Uh, he is Gord Stellick, Fan Five Ninety and Sportsnet NHL analyst. Gord, thanks a lot for giving us some time today on a busy day. We'll let you get back to it. Uh, my pleasure, Vic and Jamie. You have a good one. That's uh, Gord Stellick joining us here. On uh, Rintoul and Sermon, Bick Nazar and Jamie Dodd filling in for Scott and Karen. Uh, another report here, coming out here. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, here, well, the, I don't know what you were going to say, but here's one I wasn't expecting. Former Canuck, Michael Delzato, two years, two million AAV with Ottawa. I was not expecting a multi-year deal for $2 million for Michael Delzato today. I will say that. Uh, so catching up on some other ones, that's not the one I was going to say, but uh, Kevin Weeks also reporting that uh, Seattle Kraken uh, making some traction on Philip Grubauer. Uh, and Pierre Lebrun also corroborating that as well, closing in on Philip Grubauer. So the crease getting a bit uh, crowded down south uh, in Seattle. Does that open them up to do something else with uh, Vanacek or something, uh, one of their other goalies? And also uh, a name that I think Canucks fans wanted to see in Vancouver, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have uh, signed Jujar Kara for a two-year deal, $975,000 per year. So that's uh, one people were, I think, hoping to see did not come to fruition. And just now, uh, Elliot Friedman tweeting out Nick Patan to the Vancouver Canucks on a two-way deal at $750,000. That's a two-way contract for Nick Patan. I like that. That's a good. That's a good bargain bet right there for the Vancouver Canucks. Guy who's going to probably play in the AHL for you, but if you have to call him up and throw him in your bottom six, that's a decent. That's a guy who can play in the NHL. That that's Unless, a good depth signing. And as as uh, our producer points out, also another local signing yeah. from Delta for the AHL team. The BC boys coming home to Abbotsford makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense, and it, it's funny to see kind of like something that we assumed of moving the the team to Abbotsford. It's Hey, is this now going to be a destination for Western Canadian players? And it's uh, coming through in spades as they continue to build out a uh, competitive AHL team. And I know Batch tweeted out kind of a meme of pre- prepare yourselves for internal competition. But it's hard not oh, yeah. to it's hard not to see that when you're looking at the transactions, even just as we talked about in the blue line, right? Like, okay, Hamden comes in, Pullman coming in. I know we've talked about it. People are saying we're too negative about it. One thing's for certain, like Tucker Pullman's an NHL level D man, and it's creating this environment of, Hey, you got to earn your spot to stay in. Bray, uh, not Bray Chen, Luke Chen. Like there's another NHL level D man, that right side looking pretty crowded. They they bring in Oliver Ekman Larson. You've stabilized that left side. You you hope Jack Rathbone, an encouraging prospect. What about Brad Hunt when he when his signing gets made official? He's played in the NHL. They they are creating a competitive work for your role environment. We've transitioned directly from circle back season to internal competition season. Like a record amount of small, a record limited amount of time between those two seasons here. And let me be clear, like, that's a very good thing, right? Cause Absolutely. We can talk about a contract in a vacuum and say, hey, maybe this isn't the best idea. The totality of creating competition 
in training camp and for roster spots is a very good thing. How you get better is based on progressive pra- uh, practice. You've got to continue to strive to achieve more. And, to, to, and just to get NHL minutes now, if you're going to have to work harder in practice and training camp to earn your minutes, that is a good thing. So by, by signing Pullman, by signing Shen, by bringing back Hamannick, they are raising the floor of the, of the blue line. And, and, and really, the, the, the forwards as well. You can make that comment as well uh, with how deep it, it now looks, that top nine. And Sutter coming back and Mott still there. Highmore, is he going to get in? McEwen, is he going to get in? These guys got easy minutes last year. And I don't mean easy minutes by competition. Their pathway to get into the lineup was a lot easier than it is now. Yeah, it was wide open last year. And there's at least plausible competition. And again, I mean, just compare the guys they're going to be probably calling up on defense to who they were calling up last year, right? And again, no disrespect to, you know, the Jalen Chatfield, Ashton Sautner, Guillaume Brisebois trio, but, you know, I would rather be dipping in and either as your seventh guy subbing in Luke Shen or calling up a guy like Brad Hunt to fill in when you have to, when you do inevitably have those injuries. Vic Nazar and Jamie Dodd filling in for Scott and Karen this week. Yannick Hansen on his way. Uh, joining us part of our signing season show today. Thanks for uh, making us part of your day. Keep your reaction coming in, 650-650. We'll pitch to Yannick uh, what he thinks of the Canucks blue line now in their offseason so far because it has been a busy week for the Vancouver Canucks. All on the way here on Rintoul and Sermon.